Men, your kid may be on the spectrum and you're not quite sure what to do. If you're a father like me and have questions, maybe you're a puzzled dad too. Welcome to the Puzzle Dads Podcast, where we're cracking the code of autism, one piece at a time. Welcome to the Puzzle Dads Podcast. I am your host, Paul Whitehurst. We took a little break, but we are back. I'm just so excited for what's to come in this next, uh, we'll call it postseason of the first season of uh, the Puzzle Dads podcast. As you can see, I am not by myself. I have my wife here here with me, uh, Mary Whitehurst, um, and we'll uh, talk to her in a second. Thank you, babe, for joining us um, on the Puzzle Dads podcast. And um, it's okay to have puzzle moms in here too. So. Uh, I'm going to do what we always do. We're going to start us off uh, with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, how you continue to watch over and keep us, God. Um, Thank you for giving us uh, breaks when we need it, um, but just encouraging us to continue to push forward in the things that you've called us to do. We pray over this uh, this session, this interview uh, with my wife, Lord, that she's able to bring a unique different perspective that uh, dads can relate to, even moms, if they're watching, can relate to, and others, um, as we just continue to talk about our experiences and uh, what it's like to be a parent with a child with autism. So guide the conversation, and we just give you all the glory and honor. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, uh, if uh, you want to reach out, you can reach out to me at puzzledads at gmail.com. Also, Puzzle Dads on Facebook and Instagram. Puzzle Dads is the handle. Uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio. On one of those three uh, streaming platforms, you can catch us. So, um, just we we are glad to be back. I am glad to be back. So, um, I appreciate the patience. Um, I know people have asked, hey, when's the next episode dropping? But uh, sometimes good things take a little bit of planning. And so we're here. So uh, we're going to continue to do the definition. So the definition uh, of this episode is experience. And experience has several different uh, types of explanations. But for the sake of this session, here's what I, I pulled from it. Direct observation of or participation in events as a basis of knowledge. Something personally encountered, undergone, or lived through the conscious events that make up an individual uh, life. And so uh, I'm going to give you the title. Babe, can you give us the title for uh, today's episode? The title for today is A Woman's Perspective. That's right. We're going to have a woman's perspective uh, when it comes to parenting a child with autism today. Uh, Again, the disclaimer, I, we are not experts on autism, but we are experts on our son. Uh, we may have shared, uh, we may have different experiences, word of the day, uh, that we can relate to, even though our lives are completely different. So, babe, I just want to start out, uh, if you can just, um, and yes, I'm going to refer to my wife as babe rather than Mary, because, you know, we have our, our pet nicknames, and so that is okay. So, uh, uh, Mary... Can you uh, just tell the people a little bit just about yourself? Um, you know, I know 
a lot about you. Mm -hmm. So can you just give the people a little bit about about yourself? Sure. Thank you. Well, first, I want to just say that I am um, very grateful to have an opportunity to be on with you today. When you told me that you were going to start doing interviews, you wanted me to be the first guest. I was a little shocked and surprised, but also very honored that I get to grace uh, the Puzzled Dads podcast um, and give the women's perspective today. So thank you for uh, just, I feel like this is an honor. So thank you for inviting me to do this. Just a little bit about me. Um, I tell people all the time I am a wife, a mom, and um, a leader. And so I uh, am a professing Christian. I feel like that's probably at the core of who I am. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that's just very central to my life. But also I get to um, interact with and engage with my family, and I'm continuing to learn and grow all of the time. Um, and, and how to just become a, a just a good helpmate and come alongside my husband and be able to help him reach his full potential of what God has called him to do to help raise our son um, so that he his life can be stewarded well. Um, and then also I get to work for an amazing organization here in Austin called The Source. And I've served as their CEO for the last few years and have an opportunity to impact the lives of women across the state of Texas uh, who are in different situations and needing health care, needing pregnancy support. And so um, as someone with a background in ministry and in social work, this job is a perfect fit for me. And so that's what I get to do as my nine to five, but it's also just a, a passionate part of, of who I am and getting to serve others. I appreciate it, babe. And she's an awesome preacher. So <laughs> I, you know, she, she, she is very humble in that, but I am so proud every time she preached. All right, so uh, let's jump into uh, the rest of this interview. So, um, babe, just just tell us a little bit about uh, when, you know, when we started to see signs with Jamar, the possibility, even to when we got the diagnosis. Just tell us that, about that initial feeling and experience mm -hmm. that you had. What was kind of going through your mind mm -hmm. when, when you know, there's something different. And the word autism just first kind of came into the atmosphere. Right. I feel like the, I feel like my, my response was kind of twofold because of the journey that we went on to get his diagnosis. I will say that when we finally had him diagnosed at age six, I think the feeling that I felt was relief. And a piece of that was because we had been trying to figure out how to find resources, what was going on with him and how to find the right support for so many years. Um, we originally got him evaluated, I think when he was maybe two or three, uh, maybe three years old. And the neurologist that we went to said that he didn't have enough of the, whatever they needed to check off the list. Um, and so I think, Back then, I felt a little bit of relief because the idea of him having any type of um, like delay or intellectual disability or anything like that was just really scary. I think that we had already had him enrolled in um, preschool programs for children with disabilities because of his speech delay. And I just had just a lot of fear. Like I, I knew and had worked in schools and know what happens when kids get certain labels and how that how they're treated, how that follows them throughout their education. And so I was really hesitant to really admit, I think, that that's what was going on. But after that initial evaluation that didn't end up in a diagnosis, his his challenges just continued, continued to intensify. And um, I can remember 
a specific event that happened. I think when you weren't with us, he was playing t-ball for a team and he was really struggling to understand how the game worked and when you got to go on the field when you didn't. And he was, I think, maybe five and a half and had this massive meltdown. And I was there by myself and I couldn't calm him down. I couldn't contain him. Like I ended up having to like basically throw him over my shoulder and carry him to the car, kicking and screaming. And that last, that, I mean, that episode was maybe an hour. Um, by the end of it, we were both just sitting, holding each other, crying. Like I just didn't know how to help him. And that was a turning point for me when I was like, okay, regardless of the labels, regardless of the stigmas, regardless of what I'm afraid of and figuring out what's really going on with him, like we have to get some answers. And that was the season where he was about to transition out of some of the services he was already receiving. They were going to have to have an official diagnosis. And so when we asked the school to do the evaluation and she came back and said, you know, I've observed him in all these different environments and I've done all of these rating scales with him, and I do believe he's on the spectrum. It was um, it was it was emotional, but it was emotional from the standpoint of finally we can get the help that we've been trying to get. Um, it is so challenging when you don't have yeah. an official diagnosis to get support, to get accommodations, to get all of the different things. And so I feel like the diagnosis opened up a whole new world to us of really being able to support him in the way we had been trying to figure out. Well, so um, I appreciate that because, you know, what I've told people is, you know, I, I've told my perspective. And so now you're hearing it from my wife. And it, and if you go back through some of the episodes, you'll hear, you know, there's similarities, but there's also different ways that we look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from your perspective mm-hmm. as Jamar's mom, um, just give us a little bit about, you know, about just about him. Um, like whether it's, um, how he's grown over the years, those type of things. Um, so just, you know, just, just give us a quick little perspective on that. Yes. He, I mean, Jamar, I tell people all the time, he is, he's a kid that just really loves life. Like, I think that he is, he is such a fun personality. He's outgoing. He doesn't always understand social cues or like social boundaries, but he loves to meet new people and he loves to play and he loves to laugh and have a good time. Um, He's also just really smart. And I think of the areas that he struggles in, uh, just like any kid, he he has, um, you know, probably just some self-doubt that he deals with. So always needing to speak positivity to him. I always tell him, you are a good reader. You are good at these things. It just takes a little bit more work. And, and to really be able to encourage him in the things that he um, that he he excels in, but he is just a typical eleven year old. Like he loves to play, he loves to bounce around, um, and he is in a space where he's learning to just express himself more and articulate himself better. I think that's probably been one of his most persistent challenges yeah. is you know communicating. And yeah. so like when we he's been in speech since I think he was two is when our pediatrician noticed a delay. And to see how much he's grown since even just looking at videos from when he was seven or eight and how much easier it is to understand him. Um, I love his willingness to engage in conversation when he feels like it. He is a little sometimey. Um, so we'll be like at church or somewhere with people we know and he will ignore everyone. Um, but he'll also, you know, talk to a, a stranger on the street who is panhandling or someone who is in need. So he just is 
just a really loving person. Um, I personally love that he is, um, he's just affectionate and he's cuddly. And even though he's almost my height, mm -hmm. he still wants to sit in my lap and hang out with me. And so um, I feel like that's one of the things that I really love that he hasn't grown out of yet. Yeah. But he is, um, he's independent and he's really strong. He's really strong willed, um, which comes from him having two stubborn parents. Um, but I, I, I love that he is learning to speak up for himself and advocate for himself. And it's so funny because we always have this, it's hard to keep, I think that we, we are, we are still working to help him understand the appropriate boundaries with respect. Yeah. And I think that he has like, he processes through it well, but the fact that he can say when he doesn't like something, when he can say when something makes him uncomfortable, I think they taught him maybe at school, um, this is my choice or something like that. And so yeah. sometimes he'll go, but that was my choice. That's what I decided. And I was like, but that wasn't the right decision. And so there's consequences for that decision. So just kind of helping him understand how to disagree in a respectful way. Um, but I feel like that's been important for us because we want him to be able to advocate for himself when we're not here for him. Yeah. And I think that that's always been probably my greatest fear as his mother is that something will happen. Someone will be unkind to him. Or someone will bully him or treat him poorly and he won't be able to tell us or he won't be able to. So we're going to get into some of those okay. fears here in a second. <laughs> so so um, uh, one thing about having your spouse come on is like we connect in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I, I appreciate that perspective on, on Jamar and yes, he is stubborn like his parents. He also likes bread like his dad. Um, but, um, yeah, so, you know, so tell me about, you know, you, you mentioned the story of T-Ball, mm -hmm. right? Um, I told the people, I had a whole episode on meltdowns mm -hmm. and uh, told the people about the time at your graduation mm -hmm. uh, for, for yeah. sem from seminary, right? Yeah. And the moment of understanding how mm -hmm. I needed to shift as a parent. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, with, with those challenges, like what have you learned about yourself mm -hmm. in having to navigate those challenges at different ages? Mm -hmm. um, what, you know, what has being a parent with a child with autism mm -hmm. taught you in general? And mm -hmm. then the second part taught you about yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think in general, it has taught me, really that it's okay to it's okay for us to figure out what is the best thing that he needs from us as parents and our parenting style can adjust to that i think for a while you know you you grow up and you hear your parents say these age-old things i think especially when you think about just like black culture like there's mm -hmm. all these memes and things on instagram give me an example <laughs> first, first thing that pops into your head for whatever reason, the first thing that pops into my head is um, like, you know, like my grandmother would always say, like, stop running in and out of the house and don't leave the door open. You're, you know, air conditioning the neighborhood or all the time. My parents would tell me that I had to do something because they said so. And it was like, but that doesn't tell me why. That doesn't tell me the reasoning why I need to do this thing. And so I found myself early on in our parenting just doing a lot of things that I heard. It's like, no, you have to do that because I told you so. I'm the adult. You're the child. You just need to obey because I told you to to do something. And I, I have learned over time that in general, it is okay 
for our parenting style to evolve and for us to be able to meet him where he is. And one of the things that is maybe unique, I think probably about other children on the spectrum, but definitely is different about Jamar, is that really all he he wants to know is, is to understand what it is that you're telling him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have an issue with complying, but it helps him to understand. It helps him to accept whatever he's being asked to do. And from a developmental standpoint, he's not going to figure it out. There were yeah. so many times when he was younger where I realized the parenting styles that we grew up under with our parents, grandparents, etc., was to where if you did something you weren't supposed to do, you got punished on the first on the first attempt. And that's how you knew you weren't supposed to do it. You didn't have an opportunity to learn that it wasn't right before getting punished. It yeah. was just like you went to go touch something or you went to go do something and you got popped on the leg. And what I realized with Jamar is like, there was a moment where he, this is his first time living. Like as a three-year-old, he doesn't know any of the things that I know. So I can't assume that he would know different things are right or wrong, just instinctually. And because there is maybe the the added element of the way his brain works Mm -hmm. uniquely, just the way he experiences the world is different. So generally I learned it is okay for us to evolve. It is okay for me to slow down and explain to him why I'm asking him to do something. Because as soon as he understands it, it clicks, and he doesn't have any issue complying. And as soon as he understands it, mm-hmm. he goes back to what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. It, it may take five to seven minutes to explain, mm-hmm. uh-huh. hey, Jamar, this is why we do this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And he'll continue to ask questions, uh-huh. ask the questions. And then, then he stops asking questions. Jamar, you get it? Yeah, and goes mm-hmm. back to his tablet right. for the next hour. Exactly. You know? And so he, I think that that's been probably the most valuable thing. And when I talk to other moms, I think there's pieces of this that have to do with having a child who's neurodivergent. There's parts of this that have to do with being millennial parents. Um, but I feel like it has, it just opened my eyes. Like needing to be more patient, needing to give him more grace. Um, he's not the child that's going to respond to getting popped on the leg. Like that for him was overstimulating it it was a sensory Mm -hmm. thing we found out really early that like he couldn't really deal with like corporal punishment in the traditional way um it wasn't it wasn't the healthiest way for us to correct him so we had to modify that and so i think that that those are some of the things that generally i feel like we've kind of navigated through and learned together i think about myself i i feel like probably what i've learned the most about myself is I grew in my awareness over time of, in all honesty, how much I I used to care about what other people thought. And so I can remember times when he would have a hard time at the grocery store or things like that. Like we had so many routines because like Jamar was a runner. And so it was like, you could not trust him when you got him out of the car at the store because he'd take off across the parking lot. So there was always like a, I got the stroller out. I got him straight from the car seat into the stroller, strapped in. He's not going anywhere. And then we were able, we had so many of those things. So you're saying we had a prep routine. We had a, a whole routine. <laughs> at church. Everywhere. At we exactly. had a prep routine. All right. And it was, it was one of those things to where I just, I spent so much time worried about what other people thought. And then there was a day... I think in the grocery store where he was fussing and fussing and fussing and started crying. He wanted something. I told him he couldn't have it. And a lady in line said something like, I'm sure she thought it was harmless. um, And it was meant to, I don't know, comfort him or something. But she said something about, oh, you know, is mom making you cry or something like that? Or you're sad that you can't have that. And either way, she popped off and it wasn't her business. And I said, 
No, he's upset because he's been given a healthy boundary and I'm his mother. It's my job to show him that he can't always yeah. have what he wants. And like, I just, like, I kind of had a moment where I tried to teach her, like, one, mind your own business. Mm -hmm. But two, I am parenting my child in this moment and yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I feel like from that moment on, it just didn't matter where we were. Like, I, I, I started to realize that whatever is happening around us, he needs me to be fully present. If that means that we are on the floor in Target, sitting <laughs> eye to eye so that I can say, it is okay, you are safe, you are okay, calm your body. Um, and, I, and I think that once I realized, one, that that was something that was preventing me in some moments from being present and being the parent I needed to be because I was just so concerned about him calming down and being quiet because yeah. I was embarrassed. Once I learned that, that about myself and that I needed to release that so that I could be what he needed me to be in that moment, I can remember having him, him having a meltdown in Target. He was probably six or seven. And we were just, I mean, I can just remember, it was one of those moments where you just kind of continue to breathe and you're just like, okay, let's try this again, sweetheart. This is why we're not going to do this. And he's still, but I want it. And he's kind of, you know, losing yeah. it. And I'm just staying calm and I'm standing firm and I'm saying, okay, I understand. And you're going to calm down and we're going to move on and it's going to be fine. I'm going to give you a second to, to get um, to calm down. And this woman just came up to me and just tapped me on the shoulder. She's like, I just wanted to tell you, you're doing such a great job. Yeah. And that was, that was just a really affirming moment for me as a mom. And so I think that walking this journey has, has helped me to one, care less about what other people think who don't know our lives and what we're trying to do and stewarding his life well. Um, but it's also given me so much compassion for other parents. Yeah. Um, because you just don't know, right? You don't, like you don't know what, what people, people perceive yeah. as bad behavior is like an emotional meltdown sometimes. And you don't yeah. know the difference unless well, you're in the situation. You, you spoke about how it grew up, especially, um, you know, in the, in the black culture, right? Mm -hmm. We look at behaviors such as kids with autism and back in the day, no one knew what it was. Right. And right. so it was, they're just different mm -hmm. and nobody could describe different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be in a time where like we can describe what different is mm -hmm. and there's a diagnosis around it right. and how to support people who are different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I've said before is it's not like Down syndrome where you mm -hmm. can kind of see it. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 different uh, mm -hmm. with kids with autism. Right. So um, it's, you know, I, I encourage the parents and the dads on here mm -hmm. the same thing. If you see someone struggling, mm -hmm. don't don't look at the kid as the kid is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's OK to say instead of, hey, I know you're upset with your, your mom mm -hmm. or your dad. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, do you need any help? Like mm -hmm. the people who helped me in the airport right. when we yeah. went out there for your, your mm -hmm. grandmother's funeral. You mm -hmm. know, just asking, do they need help? And having right. some empathy for people. Mm -hmm. It goes a long way when, you know, a parent's struggling and, you know, if they're not quite sure what to do. And yeah. you see that a lot, mm -hmm. you know, with kids, with parents, with younger parents, with younger kids. Yes. Whether... They're on the spectrum or not, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, first time parents or parents that have yeah. a bunch of young kids and, sure. and you're running around. So, yeah. um, you know, and then and he, and he spoke about Jamar getting getting bigger. And so by the time somebody sees this podcast, he will probably <laughs> be taller than both of us. Right. At some point. <laughs> so um, what's uh, what's something and, you know, it could, you can pick any time in his life. Mm -hmm. What's something that you've 
you, you spoke about his personality. Mm -hmm. What's something that you've learned about him that may have like surprised you? Mm. Um, for me, it was, you know, just really how intelligent he was in math mm -hmm. and how that made me so excited because yeah. I'm a math guy, like math. <laughs> you know? And so, um, uh -huh. you know, uh, you know, what I've said is during the, the pandemic, mm -hmm. I really like a lot of people, you know, I know the pandemic affected everybody differently, mm -hmm. but him being at home every day, having to get on zoom, I got to see his personality in school. Mm -hmm. I never really saw at home. Right. And for me, that was the joy of the of the pandemic mm -hmm. is being able to see his personality in a way yeah. I never saw it before. So, mm -hmm. like, so mm -hmm. what for you, um, you know, what's one of the biggest things that you've seen in him that may have surprised mm -hmm. you? I think one of the things that comes to mind first and, and kind of in line with some of what you just shared about just learning more about his personality is really how compassionate he is. Mm -hmm. I think that it, probably should not have surprised me because one of my, I guess, kind of like strength finders is empathy. Like that's mm -hmm. one of my top strengths, but I didn't realize until he got older and was able to express himself a little bit better, how much of that he has as well. And so he, he's just curious, I think yeah. in a way that's really healthy. He doesn't, um, and, and I feel, I, I feel like it comes up the most when we're just kind of driving around running errands and he may see someone panhandling or someone who's camped under a bridge and he's just curious. He asks questions mm -hmm. and he wants to know what's going on. Why is that person have a tent under the bridge? Like why would, what would happen in their life that that would happen to them? And so there had been more than one occasion where he's asked me to give him money that he could give to whomever was, was needing money that we passed on the street. There's been more than one occasion that he has suggested that we bring a homeless individual that's camping under a bridge to live at our home because we have room. Um, and I feel like that is just, that has been one of those delightful surprises Yeah. because I feel like because he is not always as engaged because he is, he is pretty social, but he, like I it's said, selective. he's a little, it's very selective. Um, he just, he notices people yeah. and he sees people. And I think that in a world where people are so distracted and it's easy somehow for us to ignore just the hurt and pain that others around us are in, yeah. Jamar sees it. And I think that that's one of the things that I love the most about him. I feel like God's going to use that in an amazing way. And so that's the thing I think when he first started, I remember the first day he said, mama, that man needs money. And he was like, give me a dollar from the back seat because he wanted to give money to someone at a stoplight. And I was like, and he had rolled his window down and was talking to the person. I think he had rolled down and said something yeah. like, do you need money? And then yeah. he asked me for a dollar. And he was like maybe six when he did that. And so yeah. I think that was one of the things that surprised me and delighted me the most about just seeing that in him. And early on, even in some of those early classes, the teacher would say, yeah, somebody's crying. Jamar mm -hmm. will go over there. He, he He's not able to verbalize, but he's mm -hmm. checking on them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I love that about him, too. And then he'll check on us. Mm -hmm. Dad, are you okay? Yes, Mom, always, are you okay? Always. So, um, tell us uh, one of the... the one of the stories, one of the best stories, I've told the people tons of stories, <laughs> at least on 10 episodes, and sometimes two stories in one, mm -hmm. um, the soccer one being a fun one recently, but tell us a story about Jamar for you that just, that really gives you joy. You've told, give, given us mm -hmm. a few, you've given us a few, but just one that just gives you so much joy when, you know, you know, that you can think of. Mm -hmm. 
oh, that's a hard one because I do feel like the I just I don't feel like I'll ever forget the day that I was like, did he roll? Is he talking to the person at the stoplight? Because just surprised that he was engaging um, so willingly. Yeah. Um. I think that one of the um. I'm just trying to think of. There's so many different, just quirky things about him that that have been really fun and that I love. Mm-hmm. I think that um, one of the things this is kind of a my this is a fun this is my favorite story I think that is coming to mind at least in this moment. But mm-hmm. it's also one of the things that surprised me about him that I love seeing is that he is. Um, He's a, he's a kid that loves birthdays and loves birthday parties. And so we have always taken that time to celebrate him because obviously we're just thankful for his life and thankful that he gets to see another year. And this past year, um, we had his party at like this little you know fun place where you bowl and do the games mm-hmm. and, all, and then all this stuff. And so we get there and we're setting up and we're getting everything decorated. And he is just so hyped up and so excited and wants to be engaged and wants to be involved. And I'm just wanting him to go, like, enjoy himself, go have fun. But I, I, I'm decorating in the room, and all of a sudden I hear him say, oh, you're here. Great. Oh, the room is this way. And so I come out and realize that while we're decorating and have told him, like, go play games, like, go start bowling, he, he took it upon himself to stand at the front door of this big, you know, public place and wait to see his friends and welcome each of them into his party and take them down the hall to the party room. Like he was his own little host for his party and seeing that, um, seeing his excitement, but also seeing his hospitality. Yeah. Like I just, again, it goes along with just him being compassionate and caring. He wanted to make sure that everybody got welcomed and everybody knew where to go and where the party room was going to be. And I just thought that that was, it was amazing to watch that unfold in him naturally. Like yeah. nobody had to tell him to go do that. That was just kind of a desire of his heart in that moment. And so for some reason, that's the, that's one of the stories that comes to mind. I'm sure that there are many others, but yes. that's one of the ones that I think just showcases the uniqueness of who he is and yeah. some of the gifts that he has that I really love seeing shine. Well, and I, I remember I remember walking in the party room. You're like, where's Shamar? He's waiting on his guests. He told me, he told me, I tried to wait with him. He said, Dad, I got this. Yes. I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go help decorate. So independent so, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, babe, I, I appreciate, uh, I just appreciate this time because we don't, we talk, but then this is a different type of talk. Yeah. So I appreciate this time and you just coming on and being my first guest. <laughs> Being Thank my you. very first guest on the Puzzle Dads podcast, um, what's uh, what's you know another challenge um, that you faced that you felt like you had to overcome as a parent with a child with autism? Um, I feel like the the biggest one that took some persistence was just recognizing that the only people who were really going to fight and advocate for him was going to be us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that I maybe naively had this, yeah, I had this assumption that the people who are working with him at school, his teachers, like they spend all this time with him. They see the skills he has. They know what he's progressing at, what he's challenging at. And that, 
you know, they're going to do his, they're their best to make sure that he's progressing. And I, one, I will not say that that hasn't been true for some. It just hasn't been true for all. Yeah. And I think that I, in recognizing that, one, we have to be aware of what his gifts are, what his skills are, what he excels and where he, cha- where he, where he has challenges. So that when we go into these ARD meetings um, where we're discussing all his academic and learning goals, that we can advocate for him mm-hmm. and that we can insist that they do what they're supposed to do. I, I know that there are a lot of challenges in our public school system. I am very thankful that we live where we live and that our school district has grown and has improved over the years. And I think we have definitely benefited from that and have seen those improvements. But it just feels like certain years, certain years had been were particularly challenging where I just like it's almost like I came with my notes and with my hard questions and ready to just kind of push. We were not um, hesitant to request meetings with teachers and the principal because we wanted to make sure that he was getting what he needed. And there were times when people were, I'll just be honest, they were kind of slacking and almost had this mentality of like, oh, well, you know, he's special needs, like, just pass him along, he'll figure it out. I can remember discovering that one of his math teachers, one of his general ed teachers, was just giving him the same laminated worksheet every single day to do. She wasn't trying to make sure that he understood the lesson in class, which he was smart enough to understand and, and keep up with. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, it was it was because it was at like either an open house or a conference period or something. And um, had we not been there asking the questions, pushing, that was one of the first teachers I requested a meeting with. And I think she felt a little bit intimidated and asked the principal to sit in with us. But it got the ball to move forward. And I think that that is one of the things that I'm always telling other parents that I've met or that I've connected with in other social media groups. Like, we have to be the squeaky wheel. We have to continue to push and insist that our kids get the care that that they need because the system is overloaded and it's easy for kids to slip through the cracks. I don't think that it happens intentionally all the time. Mm -hmm. I do think that there are some people that probably need to find something different to do. Maybe teaching's not their actual calling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was that has been the hardest struggle. Or that that I think once I got past the initial couple of times. Yeah. And just said, okay, well this is what it is. So this is how we're gonna have to be and like I always come into the art with my game face. Well and, 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 and what I've told people before is is about uh maybe around third grade when we had the art and we were going over his math and mm-hmm. and being the only male in the room mm-hmm. saying push him in math yeah. and and everybody but you looked at me crazy mm-hmm. like what do you mean mm-hmm. push him in, in math yeah. let's let's push him in what he is excelling in right. and, and that's why i encourage you know dads mom whoever watching this mm-hmm. um when my wife is saying advocate for your kids you got to you have mm-hmm. to speak up and then you also have to know their limitations mm-hmm. right it's push and, and, you know, just say, yes, push them. And then if they hit a wall or they hit a limit, then let's talk about it and then adjust from there as mm-hmm. opposed to let's pass them along because they're special needs and mm-hmm. they're going to get passing grades anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want them to grow and develop. So, um, babe, this is going to be the last one and I'm going to get you out of here on this. And you kind of spoke to it with um, advocacy. Mm-hmm. What's uh, another piece of advice, whether it's, home life, personal Mm -hmm. development, 
What's another piece of of advice that you would give to um, a parent uh, with a child mm-hmm. on the spectrum? I feel like what is happening with this podcast is is a big piece of the advice that I always give, and that is to find community. I think yeah. that one of the I feel like that is one of the things that has really helped me to stay encouraged and to really just really just continue to push push forward through the seasons that are really hard. Mm-hmm. And whether that is an online community or a community in person, um, one of the things that I said at Jamar's birthday party last year is that we were so touched. Like his, we invited a ton of, like all his kids that are in his special ed class, we invited some other families that we had known from Special Olympics, mm-hmm. and all of these people showed up for him, and there, was, there were extra kids that we weren't even yeah. expecting. And it was just beautiful to not only see that he has community, because I think that, again, that was something that as his mom when he was younger, I was scared. I was like, what? Is he going to have friends? Is he going to be able to connect and have people he does life with? And he does. Yeah. But also that that was community for us. Like, these are the moms that I see on the field trips and the mm-hmm. dads that we see at different birthday parties or at Special Olympics events. And... The connection, as you all, especially those of you watching and listening who know and have kids on the spectrum, it is just different. We have plenty of friends who have neurotypical children that don't have the same challenges and they can relate on some level. It's a completely different conversation to have with a mom who's like, yeah, I've been on the floor in Target in the Mountain. <laughs> I've been in that space. Yeah. Um, and And to just be able to connect, to encourage one another, and there's just, um, I think there's just this this feeling of solidarity and being understood and seen in a different way mm-hmm. that I really feel like is healing and really good for our souls. And so I feel like that's the same for, for people who've gone through like different life experiences and trauma. It's different to talk to someone who actually knows what you're experiencing yeah. versus someone who's just trying to be, you know, empathetic and supportive. So finding community, there are lots of resources. If you're plugged into Puzzle Dads, I would encourage you to keep listening because this is only going to continue to get better. Um, But there's other organizations, other communities that are online and probably locally. We have a um, parents of special needs children um, group that started in our school district. And so just to connect with other people whose lives look similar um, so that you can have that support and encouragement that you need just on a day to day. Yeah. And uh, you know, Y'all, you all have heard us mention this birthday party. Um, there is an episode that says everybody loves a party. So I, I encourage you to go check it out to get a little bit more context um, around that experience for us. Mm-hmm. So, Faith, thank you again so much for being my first guest. Um, just bringing, bringing not just your perspective as a parent, but um, as a wife mm-hmm. and a, as a mom. Um and just sharing that and and hopefully somebody out there can take and relate to it mm-hmm. right and you know whether it's a dad uh, or a mom aunt uncle whoever um give us feedback right we would love to hear from you again at uh puzzle dads at gmail.com facebook instagram uh the handle is puzzle dads and again you can find puzzle dads on uh spotify apple music iHeartRadio. Thank you again for joining us for our very first interview with my lovely, beautiful, special guest, my wife, Mary Whitehurst. Um, And just remember, Puzzle Dads and Puzzle Moms, we're cracking the code of autism. 
one piece at a time. Have a blessed day and we'll talk to you later. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Puzzle Dads podcast with me as your host, Jamar Whitehurst. For more information on autism, check out autismspeaks.org along with other resources listed on our social media pages. Don't forget to leave a review and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. Remember, Puzzle Dads, to keep cracking that code because God has a plan for each of us and our children. Have a blessed day.